Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. St. Louis Public Radio reporter Jason Rosenbaum was on the scene as Ella Jones was elected Ferguson's first black mayor last night. He joins us now to discuss that and a whole lot of other things that have been happening in the last few days as well. So, Jason, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me, Sarah. So, Jason, Ella Jones's victory is being heralded across the country. Do you think this is as big a deal for Ferguson as people in the national media uh, want it to be? Oh, I think it's a big deal. It was going to be a big deal no matter what, because no matter who won between Ella Jones and Heather Robinette, Ferguson was going to have its first female mayor. But because of the immense symbolism that gets placed on the city because of what happened in 2014 with Michael Brown. Uh, milestones like like the first black mayor being elected to Ferguson are clearly going to get a lot more attention because especially now when the nation is really on edge because of these protests over George Floyd's death in Minneapolis, people are looking back to Ferguson and looking back to the St. Louis region as the precursor to what's happening now. So I think that's probably one of the reasons it's getting attention. But it it will probably make a pretty tangible difference in the sense that if Jones can have enough support on the council with her, uh, she'll be able to usher in some of the the policy changes she talked about. It should be noted to your listeners, the Ferguson mayor is not an all-powerful office. Mm -hmm. It, It doesn't have a lot of functional executive power. But it can have power if 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 the if the mayor is allied with enough council members. And is that so likely be, to be the case here with the uh, the composition of the council? I I think it remains to be seen. Um, I uh, there will be a vacancy that will have to be filled by the council. I will just say this because this is another video thing that's gone viral along with you know the news of Ella Jones being elected. Heather Robinette came to Ella Jones's victory party, literally embraced her and said, I will work with you. Mm-hmm. And beyond just getting, I think, the reactions of people just because it was a feel-good moment, I, I, I 100% believe that that's going to happen. These two women are phenomenal people and phenomenal public servants. And I know I'm not supposed to like place value judgments on people that I cover, but I've gotten to know both of them really well. And I think that they're both going to play a big role in dealing with the, the really difficult problems Ferguson has. It's in addition to the businesses that uh, Ella Jones mentioned that need to be repaired, uh, Ferguson's going through a really, really difficult financial situation because of COVID-19. So mm-hmm. both Robinette, Jones and the rest of the council have a lot of work to do over the next few weeks and months to make sure Ferguson remains afloat. And as we discussed with the mayor-elect, it has been a target, um, frankly, for a lot of vandalism in the last couple days. And as she said, that's a big concern for the businesses that are located there, which makes it a concern for her. Do you think it being such a target might change now that there's a black woman in charge of the city? Does that make any difference? Well, I, I would hope so, but I would hope so for another reason. Um, Ferguson has been the only city in the St. Louis region that has been forced by the federal government to change. Now, when you talk with people there, they will tell you that they were going to change anyway. And I don't think that there's any doubt that 
what happened in 2014 was going to facilitate change. Mm -hmm. But this is a community, and not just the elected officials, I'm talking about the people there that have been doing the hard work that is going to be required of this country over the next few few months and years. And I think people there are sick of making Ferguson the sacrificial lamb to fix racism and racial problems in the St. Louis region. When it's not just Ferguson, it's the entire region and it's the entire country. And I think the fact that, you know, businesses were damaged, the police station was damaged, and, you know, the, the police station repair is going to be paid for by by taxpayers of a majority black city mm -hmm. that may not get other services. And, you know, you mentioned on the top that a lot of people doing the damage were white dudes in, in black. I, I think regardless of where you fi fall on the continuum of Ferguson, and there's lots of different perspectives of where to go, I think people are sick of Ferguson being scapegoated and targeted like they were this weekend. And frankly, as somebody who's covering it, you can probably tell I'm, it bothers me personally. So you, I've gotten to know people there over the last six years, and it's, I just don't think it's fair to them. I just really don't, Sarah. So as you say, it bothers you, and you feel like this election, this is maybe a chance to turn that page that, that you feel like they've put in the work to turn anyway. Is, is that a fair summary? I think it is a fair summary. And as I mentioned before, I think what's really – elections are always adversarial, and you have people – that support one candidate, and they're going to be disappointed when that candidate loses. And there's always going to be differences of opinion when in a representative democracy. We should hope that happens in Ferguson or elsewhere. I don't. I've never thought that disagreement, even during tough times, as happened in Ferguson, um, is necessarily should be out of bounds or illegal. But I, I really do feel like the people that run for these these offices. I don't really think they're in it for the glory. I mean, they don't get paid much money. They get, like, hassled by media types a lot more than, like, Bell Reeve Acres municipal officials. Because That's a great of point. <laughs> they're in the spotlight uh, there. You know, here we are <laughs> focusing in on this. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I think that they real. I think people, everybody working and who, who, who runs for these seats are trying to do the best they can under difficult circumstances. And I'll just add that a lot of people who ran for municipal office in other places throughout St. Louis County, I think are doing it for the same reason. It is not a glamorous job. It usually takes up a lot of time, and you, you're under a lot of scrutiny. And, but I think people do it because they genuinely want to make their communities better, and I think that's what's going on in Ferguson right now. Well, that's a, a little note of optimism from Jason Rosenbaum. Makes me feel good this morning. Um, if you're listening to this conversation, Jason and I have a whole lot of other news developments that we need to get into here, and we want to invite you to join us. We want to know what's your take on how local and state leaders have been handling elections, protests, curfews, and more. You can give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Or you can send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at talk at stlpublicradio.org. Jason, it seems almost easy to forget this in light of everything that's happened in the last few days, but we are still in the middle of a pandemic. And last night's election uh, that elected Ella Jones happened in the middle of this. Uh, did absentee ballots play a big role in last night's oh, municipal elections? There's no question about it. Um, this was historic in the sense that more absentee ballots were requested in St. Louis County than any other election in the county's history. Hmm. And what makes that that statistic even more incredible 
is that municipal elections typically are the lowest turnout elections because uh, even though they're very important, they typically don't get as much like attention as like the statewide or national elections. So there's no question that absentee ballots played a role not only in the Ferguson election, but probably every election in St. Louis County. And it sets a stage for August and November where I'm expecting a huge increase, even beyond the 76,000 requests that were were done in St. Louis County uh, for absentees, primarily because the governor, if I had to bet a dollar, probably is going to sign legislation expanding access to absentee ballots. Either Mm -hmm. if you are uh, vulnerable to catching COVID-19, you can check a box on an absentee ballot and send it back without a notary or if you just are fearful of catching COVID-19 you can you can go through a process where you you send it back you send your ballot back via mail but you do have to get it notarized the bifurcated system and I'm sure that there's going to be a lot of education about it but I'm fully expecting that both of those avenues are going to be taken advantage of in August and November. So I know it's really hard to say when we're talking about municipal elections. They don't follow straight party lines the way even a a state representative contest might. But do we have any sense of whether absentee ballots uh, being used so much more widely is the boon to Democrats that President Trump has said he fears it will be? I actually... I mean, from what I've read, I don't think that there's actually evidence of that. In fact, uh, you could make an argument that kind of the way this particular law was crafted, which gives people over 65 the ability to get an absentee without a notary, I think that there's been some studies that, like, older voters like that tend to skew toward Republicans. Mm -hmm. And so when you add that with the fact that, like, anybody could vote by mail, I, I hate that term, by the way, because it's so unspecific, but I'm just going to use it this time because that's literally what the second option is. It does fit what people could do with their absentee yeah. ballot. I don't know. You could see more anybody, like younger voters. It's too, it's too hard to say. And the other thing that we have to remember, too, is that uh, the state's rural areas, sometimes the, the polling places are physically a lot farther away than places in St. Louis or St. Louis County. So the fact that the absentee balloting process has expanded, could open the door to more rural voters, and rural voters have been going toward the Republican Party at a rapid pace. So I, I think it's, there's too many variables to really predict that. And I have to just add that this push for expanded absentee ballots was embraced by a lot of prominent Republicans, most notably Green County Clerk Shane Scholler, who was the Republican nominee for Secretary of State. Hmm in 2012 against Jason Kander, and he actually worked with one of Kander's former staffers, Boone County Clerk Brianna Lennon, to get the word out about expanding absentee balloting. So it was bipartisan, and and, and he did that even with the president's rhetoric. And I hmm. think that pe- that probably gave the issue a lot more credibility among both parties, since both uh, Lennon and Scholler are highly respected elected election officials. Okay, well, this is going to be interesting to see um, if the governor signs that legislation. In the meantime, though, I do want to go to the phone lines, and our our lines are open if you want to join us. That's 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Let's go to Kenneth, who is calling from O'Fallon, Missouri. Uh, Ken, hi, you're on St. Louis on the Air. Well, hello, how are you? Thank you for joining uh, us. Thank you. I'm so glad to be able to call in. I'm a 60-year-old black male. 
I've been voting since I was 18 years old. Good for you. Thank you. And I've always taught my kids the uh, importance of voting. But the country is, our country is like, what, five or 600 years old? And it, it's taken us five to 600 years to get where we are. And it's like, I don't really see how we're going to change. Because mm. the majority of people in this country are white people. And white people are very happy with the way this society is. Kenneth, uh, do you... Uh... White male, if you're a white male, you've got to love this country. I mean, you're running Fortune 500 uh, corporations. You've always been president of the company. You're the majority in the Senate. Uh, state senators, you, you run... I Kenneth, mean, let, men- me, um, let me just interject here. I mean, you're making a good point. The system does work pretty well for a lot of people. But what about the election of, of Ella Jones there in Ferguson? Does that give you um, more hope that, that things within the system can change, or you still feel the same way? The Missouri state is ran by white Republicans. I mean, the governor, the state senate, the state house, that's where all of the money and all of the uh, power is going to come from. And again, the corporations are ran by white males. The people that's going to do the hiring are ran by white males. And the university, the list goes, like I say, it's taken us five to 600 years. And we think just because one black female mayor of a small town is going to make a difference, it's, 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 it's insulting. Well, Kenneth, you have a good point there, and I think you're, you're kind of tempering some of the optimism we heard from, from Jason Rosenbaum earlier there. Jason, anything you'd want to say to, to mm-hmm. Kenneth, who's, who's pointing out some realities? No, I think that Kenneth is absolutely right. Um, I think if anything these last few days have shown is that white people not only need to check their privilege, but they, they have to know their place in this, this civil rights movement about police killing black people. And I think that there's, and I've talked with you about this on Monday, I think there's been instances where there's been real failure among people that look like me, white males or or white people, where they want to be the central focus of this and put themselves out there and and cause trouble and put black people in harm's way. Mm -hmm. But that's just kind of a micro level. And I, I think that that's well taken, that Ferguson is one small city in a, a larger sea of larger places. Uh, that's mm-hmm. not the most articulate. I, I don't disagree with what a lot Kenneth said. Yeah. I, I just I just have been following the, the city government transition of Ferguson since 2014 and 15. And I do think that there is some legitimate significance for people in Ferguson, but it's kind of why I got all ranty about how I don't think that we should like force Ferguson to, ha- to, to, to be the, the be-all, end-all burden holder here, because mm-hmm. it's a lot deeper than that in this state, in this country. So I, I'm glad Kenneth called in and said that. Yeah. I'm, I, not just saying, I'm not just saying that I agree with him because I want a virtue signal over your air. I genuinely think he makes a lot of good points. Well, that's, that's good to hear your sincerity um, on that, Jason. And, and Kenneth, thank you for that call. You, you did make a great point. Let's go back to the lines. Uh, Tom is calling from Afton. Um, Tom, uh, you're, hi, you're on St. Louis on the Air. Thank you. Um, I'm a Black Lives Matter protester since 2014. And uh, last year, uh, when the young man was killed in, uh, I'm sorry, I don't recall his name, but when the uh, young man was killed uh, after fleeing uh, the Galleria, 
Oh, uh, yes. A lot of us, yeah, a lot of us went to the Richmond Heights City Council meeting. And uh, when it was my turn to speak, I looked at the, the uh, council members and I said, you know, all of you wish this would go away. None of you really want to deal with this. Wish, you know, they wish this weren't on their plate. But so I empathize with the position of, you know, small municipality elected officials who are being forced to deal with these historical giant issues, uh, nationwide issues, um, you know, when they'd rather be making sure the stoplights work. Yeah. But at the same time, Ferguson is the flashpoint, is the ground zero for the 21st century civil rights movement in America. If good things come out of this, uh, what we do at the local level here in St. Louis is, is history. And, uh, I think that that is uh, something to to uh, keep in mind, and uh, that, that big picture focus I think can motivate us to, to do more and to do better. Um, Tom, you you say that so well, and and thank you. I think that's a good point that that Ferguson is a symbol. That big picture still also remains. Um, and just for those listening, what Tom was referring to was Terry Tillman. He was the man who was killed at the, at the Galleria Mall last year, and there were there were a lot of uh, protests that followed that. Um, Jason, we have a couple minutes left here, and I did want to make sure we get to a couple more things. There has been so much news lately. Um, one of the things that happened yesterday was that St. Louis Mayor Lida Cruzen called a curfew for the city of St. Louis, and this was after widespread vandalism and even violence on Monday night. On Monday, again, four police officers were shot. They've now been released from the hospital. They're doing fine, but that's obviously a big deal. An off-duty police officer was killed, uh, which is, is terrible. So how did things go last night with this curfew in place? So I was actually in St. Louis City. Uh, I, I live in Richmond Heights. Um, so that last caller was especially poignant for me. Um, and I saw nothing. Like, nothing was, last it, night. It, I saw I, the streets were deserted. And I don't, I don't know, I don't know why, but my assumption is that like when people like Rasheen Aldridge and Daryl Gray had a press conference and said, we're not protesting tonight, we need a self-care day, we don't want our protest movement to be mixed up with the people that shot those police officers and killed that former police officer for St. Louis City and Moline Acres. I think people listen to them. Hmm. I mean, I think that especially someone as young as Rasheen Aldridge, who has been part of the Ferguson movement, you know, since 2014, when I think he was probably like 19 or 20 years old. I think there's a lot of foresight about how you strategize some of these things. And uh, I I was, I I don't want to say I was surprised to see nothing Mm -hmm. because, you know, I, I think people do listen to some of the leaders of these protests. And I think the big problem is like, the people that are committing all this vandalism and and criminality, I, I just I think that they're they're taking they're, they're I think they're trying to take advantage of of people that really want change, and that's what the protest leaders are saying. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's probably my guess of why you know you saw images elsewhere throughout the country of just images. I don't even I can't even attach an adjective to. And St. Louis, which, which had a curfew, was was totally deserted. And St. Louis County was, too. There was a little bit of protesting in Ferguson. I kind of mm-hmm. saw it as I was driving back. 
but it wasn't very large scale, and I don't think that there was any issues. So I, I believe I've heard there were some acts of vandalism, um, or people were attempting to maybe deal with some boarded up buildings, but but maybe weren't successful. I will say, as a city resident myself, heard a ton of gunshots the night before, and we did not hear um, very many at all, if any, last night. So it did certainly seem quieter. Uh, one other quick thing I want to address with you, Jason, and that is that Governor Mike Parson uh, spoke yesterday, and he had some really harsh words. And we're not going to have police officers. We're not going to have citizens of Missouri being shot in our streets in this state. And we're going to put an end to it. And that, again, is Governor Mike Parson. Uh, where do things stand in terms of him saying they're going to put an end to it? Has the, has the state done anything that affects the metro at this point? Well, they, uh, he did uh, activate the National Guard. And my understanding is the National Guard has been involved in, in some respects. I don't know if it's the level like what happened during Ferguson, but, um, you know, I, I think that there was widespread agreement, regardless of your perspective on these protests, that what happened in St. Louis on Monday was using the word unacceptable mm-hmm. would be a, a euphemism that's not even close to, to being it. Like, n- no one was happy. So I can understand why Parson is upset. And as a former law enforcement official, it probably hits very viscerally for him. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think we're just going to have to see what happens. There will be more protests in St. Louis over the next few days. And um, I don't think this is going away. I was here in 2014 with Ferguson and after Michael Brown's death. I've seen a lot of these patterns before. And I, I think we can expect a lot of news over the next few days if I can end it like that. Well, then, yeah, that's some some foreshadowing of what we may have to expect here. So St. Louis Public Radio reporter Jason Rosenbaum, always great to have you on. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.